welcome to another episode of the Lasso Podcast. This episode, we are going to be discussing a couple of the recent issues of the Wonder Woman Rebirth series, numbers 28 and 29. And with me, joining me, as always, is my co-host, Maya. Hello. And I am obviously Mike. So, we are going to get right into issue number 28, which is the third edition of the Heart of the Amazon arc, written by Shea Fintano, featuring Dave Messina on the art for this issue. So, the issue starts off uh, with Diana visiting the grave of Dr. Crawford, who we saw the results of the fight that they had back in issue number 27. And Diana is visited by a crow, which is sort of ominous. But we may not, may or may not see any sort of uh, ramifications from that later in the issue. So after the visiting of the grave, she ends up back at the hospital where Etta was getting her care done after the incident from the wedding. And Diana is in charge of her care. So she's the one who discharges her from the hospital to take her home and make sure that she gets uh, her rest. And She actually rests for a bit. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the conversation just happens to go through between Etta and Diana about how Diana visited the grave for um, Dr. Crawford and Etta doesn't really, she doesn't, I mean, she doesn't really, she doesn't like that. She doesn't doesn't really have any empathy empathy for the doctor. Which, considering mm-hmm. she was part of bombing her brother's wedding, kind of understandable. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. She says that as long as you don't expect me to forgive her, you know, right. like you do what like, you want. But Diana. yeah, if up to, if it were up to Edda, she wouldn't have uh, visited the doctor's grave to pay her respects. <laughs> she doesn't think the doctor deserves any respect. Yep. After yeah, exactly. After what she did, so. Next, after getting Etta and taking her from the hospital, they end up at Etta's home. And they are in the kitchen eating some what looks like McDonald's in the DC Universe, if they can, if they can call it with the copyrights, if they can call it McDonald's. <laughs> um, and Got a big old glass of zesty. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are having a conversation about how Diane is helping Etta and what it means for her to be in sort of in charge of her care. Diana says that she made an oath to care for her when she signed her name to take her uh, from the hospital and bring her home. So she's gonna Diana is gonna do everything in her power to honor that and make sure Etta gets the care that she needs while she's recovering from her very unfortunate incident. A lot of the conversation really just goes through with Diana sort of, she feels, uh, she feels the blame for what happened to Etta and the sort of danger that she puts 
Etta and Steve through just by having relationships. Right, with them. she's feeling their mortality. She thinks that it's all her fault. And that since she'll yeah, survive, she... it's her duty to, like, protect them. As if mm-hmm. they don't have any agency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the... Exactly, that's one of the, as we talked before, uh, one of the sort of tropes that we don't really like going through in superhero comics is the idea of the superhero being uh, holding all the guilt that they hold for the people that they care about, the mortals that they care about, where the, they feel completely guilty for everything that comes down on, on the mortals because they, uh, the superheroes are the targets themselves, which thus then makes everyone that they have friendships and relationships with, it brings them into the line of fire. And that trope just, it gets played out in nearly every single superhero comic there is, where it takes away, like you said, it takes away the agency of the other characters where they're more than capable of handling their own and looking out for themselves, even if danger comes down on them because of their relationships with the superhero. Yep. Superhero can't control everything, including the people they love. So after their conversation through the, in the kitchen in uh, Etta's apartment, in one of the panels, we see that there are sniper targets on Diana coming through the window. And this is the bounty hunter that we saw at the end of issue 27, who is trying to take the bounty out on Diana. And she tries to shoot Diana through the window, but Diana obviously is able to react and she notices the bullet coming, deflects it away with her bracelet. There's a python. <laughs> then jumps out and Yeah, exactly. Throws a python in, hits the uh barrel of the gun that the sniper was using, and then she jumps out of the or flies out of the window to go confront the sniper. Etta is still meanwhile in the apartment. She grabs a she grabs a hidden gun that she had in there and She's going to provide any other support that she can for Diana while she's fighting the bounty hunter. They fight on a nearby rooftop where it's just a standard uh, comic book fight, really. Nothing crazy going on. Uh, We do see in one of the pages the reappearance of the crow that was from the opening page when Diana was visiting the visiting the gravesite and we see that throughout it's throughout the page the excuse me feathers of the crow sort of float down as a sort of parallel to the fight that's happening and Diana and the bounty hunter are having a they're just having a regular old conversation <laughs> throughout the fight nothing nothing really crazy happening going on besides the bounty hunter believes that 
no matter what, she'll be able to take out Diana as long as she has a gun, which... So we get to the next page, and Mayfly is standing there grappling with Diana while she has a handgun pressed right up to her stomach. And she says that, I hope you're fast enough to block this bullet before it goes through and out the other side. Just as she's about to pull the trigger, uh, a bullet comes flying out of nowhere and shoots the gun right out of her hand. And we see because it's good to have friends, Diana. (laughs) Exactly. They can, they can help you even though you're the superhero. (laughs) Um, so then Diana gets the upper hand and continues the fight against Mayfly. And Etta is down back in her apartment still in, Danny hears Etta yell, get away, and Etta uh, and Diana calls out, and she thinks it's maybe more assassins or something, but uh, Etta just says, no, calm down, it's just a crow. (laughs) Always a crow. uh, But in the distraction... (laughs) In the distraction, Mayfly is able to jump off the roof and try to escape, which Diana does not think she should do that, so she jumps into it action with the lasso and is able to wrangle her up where she is she uses the lasso to get answers out of Mayfly to figure out what what her goals is for what she's doing there attacking them and she says that there has been a bounty on Diana for her body essentially which is what Dr. Crawford was trying to do in the earlier issues. Just a whole team of people with medical issues trying to capture Diana. Yeah, exactly. It's a good leverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mayfly says that she's a hemophiliac, so she needs uh, blood treatments, which obviously that's why she's trying to capture this bounty on Diana, because they believe that Diana's... Special DNA is able to cure them. Uh, Diana presses on and tries to figure out who the hell has the bounty out for her. And Mayflower just doesn't know, which she's telling the truth because she's tied up in the lasso. She doesn't know who it is. Paige here, Diana ties up Mayfly and returns back to Diana's uh, Etta's apartment. Excuse me. And the crow is still flying around inside of the apartment. And Diana obviously notices what the crow stands for, which is the messenger of Apollo. So she states that there are more of them coming. (laughs) That is like uh, more birds. And Diana's no more more assassins. assassins. (laughs) Exactly. So Diana sort of is based on that news. She's trying to convince Etta to go to a more safer location, which obviously Etta is going to fight fight her on that one because she knows that whatever condition she's in, she is there and she's going to do what she can because Etta's a soldier. Right. It's what Diana's she's going to do. like, well, you're on medical leave. You can't go back to work. Etta's like, no, <laughs> this isn't work. It's personal. Mm-hmm. They come for me in my home. It's personal. You can't pull that card <laughs> on me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's like that's the uh, that's the line in the sand right there. So we know that it's going to be Etta and Diana both fighting in this next fight. So the last page leaves us with a 
swarm of enemy combatants here. And there are five of them after Diana says that there, she guesses that there was four and then at a, makes the note be like, nope, there's five. And Diana asks her if she's ready. And Ada says, always. So what do you think of number um, 28 I mean, here? It was, it was, it was basically a filler. It was very, it was very much a mid arc filler. Like when you're reading it in the, in the trade, it's probably just going to slide right in. But as a standalone, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, that didn't really advance much at the moment. Yeah, there wasn't really major character moments that happened or sort of anything, you know, any crazy cliffhangers or anything like that. It was sort of just a comic, essentially three quarters of it were action. The other parts were conversations really so right and well i always like seeing more of diana and etta's relationship i'm like Mm -hmm. you know there are other motivations for heroes than oh no i am a lot less vulnerable than my friends so i need to push them away yeah exactly we see that even though they're sort of bickering back and forth with this issue they still are friends and no matter what they're going to do what they can to come through each situation out the other side the best way that they can so we see sort of they both have their own uh innate strength within themselves to propel them to take on all these challenges and come out with the other side. Diana has this really like melodramatic thought. My love is the harbinger of her, of her peril. And it's like, Diana is in the freaking army girl. <laughs> you are not the only, like you are not the only thing in her yeah. life that is deadly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's such like a monologue thing where like, Oh, Oh me, look at what I'm doing to cause all this. But it's like, yeah, I mean, sure, you're bringing some things down, but she, like you said, she's in the mil- Edda's in the military. She's been through this for years. Like, she she knows what she signed up for. She can handle herself. I know, it's like the responsibility <laughs> of power and everything, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's a tired arc. <laughs> exactly, yeah, like we said, it's, it's that one trope that comes up in nearly every single superhero comic there is, where gotta push away their loved ones to keep them safe Mm -hmm. to keep them safe exactly (laughs) and yes it definitely gets old but yeah overall it was still this pretty strong issue the action sequences were really good the art was really good so it's um definitely in one of the the arc overall so far that we've read through is absolutely strong and while this might be the weakest issue of the arc, it still doesn't mean it's bad by no. Any I think of it's just. I mean, it's an issue with a lot of comics where it's not always they don't always work as their single issues. Like, but when you read it as a trade, it's not noticeable mm-hmm. because it will add. It will like kind of like keep the story flowing when you're reading it all together. But you notice it a lot more when you're reading yeah. it on its own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because the like you said, when you're reading it on your own, it's able to stick out more. Where 
when you're reading it all together, one and then if the arc is collected, you're able to read it in sequential order and you see how everything ties in because you're able to read everything at once together where when you're reading it as a single issue, you can see, okay, so I see how this is probably going to go to the next issue, but again, it's just, oh, well, what about this issue? But it does go right into 29. Exactly, yes. The Where the ends on the last page of 28 with the bounty hunters attacking Tyana and Etta, it goes right into, well, we should say that it goes on to the second page of 29. The first page of 29 starts with the return of Steve Trevor. He's uh, back from the refugee camp and he's like, wait, Diana was in trouble and you didn't tell me anything. What's wrong with you, General? General? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever. The military guy with the suit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Steve is pretty upset that they didn't that nobody told him what was happening with Diana and Etta. So he's like, okay, yeah, uh, I don't care what you say. I'm going to go help them because uh, they're my friends and you completely kept me in the dark on this. So uh, I don't like that. He jumps on a motorcycle and speeds off to where Diana and Etta are. Meanwhile, Diana and Etta are battling off their army of assassins bounty hunters yeah uh we have yeah they're right let's see we have bastet who is a cat goddess type uh who's like taking the head diana to the underground underworld Mm mm-hmm she's got the she can shoot like lasers out of her eyes yeah uh (laughs) cheshire who's i know she is actually in young justice um but yeah, she's a pretty established assassin. Oh, she's the one in the yes. green, right? Yep. Yeah, so Diana is in the midst of fighting with Cheshire while Etta is trying to take on Cat Eye. That's that. Then, mm-hmm, <laughs> and then a, another uh, guy or lady, can't really tell, uh, this one in this purple jumpsuit tries to jump in and take away the uh, the bounty from Cheshire, which shows she they're trying to she's trying to steal it from uh, steal Diana from her, and obviously they say that they're both trying to capture Diana, and Diana's like, yeah, I belong to no one, and knocks them both out. So next is the last assassin, which is Plastique, who has, I guess, the ability to blow things up, which is uh, pretty something pretty big. Uh, <laughs> Diana confronts her as she's trying to. What's her, uh, Plastique is trying to? She's saying that she's just going to blow up the entire neighborhood if Diana doesn't uh, back down, which. Diana takes a risk there and throws Cheshire right at her, <laughs> and uh, she still blows the her grenade or whatever, still blows up with uh, them entwined together. While and then we return back to uh, Etta fighting with the cat eye still, and 
Diana tries to jump into the action to help out Etta and the other bounty hunter that was still remaining that wasn't wasn't incapacitated yet tries to jump in and take out Diana from behind, which Etta provides cover for her. And she shoots at the other bounty hunter, uh, which essentially went to no avail. We can see in the panel the bullets sort of just bounced off of him. So that's not too good. Um, <laughs> next, we see uh, a couple of scenes of Steve zooming in on the motorcycle coming into the city where the fight is happening. He hears the gunshots over in the distance and heads over to... Meanwhile, there's one more assassin who can teleport. Mm -hmm. So he's being a little tricky. Yes, which is sort of a nifty trick, which happens that Diana tries to, even though she has all her speed and strength she can't uh if she can't see him she can't (laughs) attack him or punch him take him out (laughs) which good thing we have etta there for support which she stabs him with her uh her cane and she knows that she was able to take him out right when he reappeared after zipping around diana so that takes out the But now they've the gotta figure out that. who still sent them. And they have plastique. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Diana wraps her up with the lasso to get the truth out of her. And Plastique says that she knows who's behind the bounty. Well, she's not really sure who is behind the bounty, but they will be trying to get in touch with her. So she gives up her cell phone stating that it should be on a app on her phone. And Diana says that she needs a password to get into the phone. And Plastique says that the password is Kaboom for EVA, which since she blows, she blows things up, that is uh, a cheesy password. And Etta takes umbrage with that. <laughs> yeah, I love that part. She says... I'm going to punch you right now. 90% for helping bomb my brother's wedding. 10% for having a stupid password. And then Steve (laughs) comes screeching in like, hey, what's up, guys? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right after Edda knocks him out. And that takes out the last of the bounty hunters. So right on time, Steve. (laughs) Obviously not his fault, but it's just the timing is really funny. Uh, Always the arm candy, Steve. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, yep. So he reunites. They have a a nice kiss, which is my Wonder Trev moment for the comic. <laughs> um, and Steve sort of just goes through saying how he wished he could have been there if he would have known that all this was happening. Obviously, Diana says that you wouldn't have known because they didn't tell you. So it wasn't like you could have came and helped anyway. But she makes sure to ask about the refugee camp because that was where this arc led off, where they were at. So she's obviously still she's still concerned about what happened, what's happening there. And Steve tells her that the uh, camp is secured and everything is fine there. So 
Then they, uh, the three of the crew, they head off back to the um, Wait, the no, picket, first, which there's this really sweet moment <laughs> where Etta's like, oh, ow. And Diana looks at her all worried. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm fine. Stop worrying about me. And Diana's like, never. <laughs> never going to stop mm-hmm. worrying. Because they're family. (laughs) Yeah, that was good then. They head over to the the picket, which is the same location that Etta was running one of Steve's ops from back from Volume 1, which that uh, the area got compromised from uh, when Dr. Kale uh, came down on the area, but they got it back up and running. So they're sort of trying to figure out what the hell is going on? Um, the bounty is put up for something that is a cause of a sort of pharmaceutical. Right. Company. It's like with um, with Dr. Crawford's gene splicing, how they were. It's like they're able to cure a lot of things using her DNA. Yes, so the obviously the head or whoever has put the bounty out is in the medical field where they're trying to get a hold of Diana so they're able to figure out cures to these diseases, which is sort of a kind of unsavory way to go about it, where I'm sure if they just went up and did it did it in a, a nicer way than sending bounty hunters after them. Right, that's that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, you know, this is a noble cause, and Diana would obviously want to help, but doing it in a way that, like... Nah. Puts people in danger. Like, really? That's your first go-to? So. Anyway, she's obviously conflicted about, <laughs> you know, like, obviously their tactics are bad, but what they want to do is good. So she needs to go off and have a thing mm-hmm. without anyone else influencing her decisions. Flies off on her own, and she's trying to look at all the sides of the situation, figure out what's, what the best course of action is, what that means for her, what that means for everybody else. Um, sort of, she's trying to... She wishes she could reach out for answers from... The patrons and obviously they're not really there to give her the answers she needs. So <clears throat> actually we see a next, we see a flashback back to sort of the, one of the running themes throughout the arc here where we see Diana back as a little girl on Themyscira. And this one is ties into exactly the same thing where she, as a little girl here is trying to, call out to the patrons for for help while in the present day she's still trying to call call out to the patrons for help and they're not really helping her not in obviously. either situation but this we see Diana is on her own still trying to reason and figure out what uh, the best sort of course of actions need to be taken here uh, so she gets a text message, and she ends up uh, heading back to back to the group where they are trying to analyze some things. 
Diana says that she is going to end these bounties once and for all. And I ask her, uh, all right, how are you going to do that? And Diana says, I'm going to collect the bounty myself. (laughs) So Diana decided that she's going to turn herself in and to try to resolve this issue without any more uh, harm coming down on anybody else. We see a couple more moments where Steve is noticeably concerned and she asks, you know, he asks her if she is sure that this is what she wants to do. I mean, Diana plainly says that she's, no, she's not really sure, but she has to, she knows that she has to hear them out if she can save all the, she can save the people with whatever research that they want to use her sort of uh, um, biology for. Etta is steadfast trying to figure out what happens, and they are able to find out the address of the location where the bounties were first getting uh, sent out from. And they says, Etta says that it was from uh, the Hamilton Reserve, which is, or Hamilton Revere, excuse me, who is a renowned geneticist. And he's trying to work on finding cures for all diseases that all these diseases that we've heard of, and we notice that most of his research is with a sort of disease that is uh, evident in children, and it's called Royer's maze. Which is the same thing that um, Dr. Crawford had and died. Well, would have died from. Ex- if she hadn't killed herself. <laughs> yeah, would have died from because she was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she was trying. Is the exact same thing where she was trying to figure out a cure on her own using Diana. So clearly, there's something with Diana's uh, DNA and biology that is able to, or they are trying to figure out what it can respond to these diseases for. So. Following next up, Diana is still sure that she is going to head off and try. She knows that she wants to save these children because she knows that if she can spare some of herself to save others, that's what she's going to do. So Steve and Etta are trying to make sure that that's exactly the decision she wants to make. They're offering her the... You know, the pros and cons of the idea here, which they say that they're going to... Do they say that they're going to go with her? Uh, Yes, they try to say that they're going to go with her, but the general says that they are not authorized to go on this mission. So, clearly, Diana says that she's going to go on her own um, while the rest of them stay behind and try to... Uh, provide support back from the uh, military base. And so Diana heads off from the base. She says goodbye to Steve and goodbye to Etta. And the her goodbye to Etta is a mirror of the part where Steve and Diana and Etta were leaving to head back to the military base where Diana... Uh, Edda, excuse me, says, take care of yourself. And Diana says, stop worrying about me. And this time it is Edda right. says, never. Which I is just, 
I yeah. love so them. it was a really it's it's so strong and so balanced yeah where obviously Diana Diana's gonna do what she can to help Steve and Etta Etta and Steve are gonna do what they can help Diana Etta's gonna do what she can help help do to help uh, Steve and Diana it's just like a complete a complete circle of all of them doing whatever is possible to help the other ones no matter what happens and it's just a uh, it's something that is run right through all of the run right through the entire uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth which is just uh, really good to see Diana heads into the compound, or it seems like a compound, where the um, where the uh, dude who is sending out the bounties is. And Diana says that she's there on her own to try to learn of what his research plans and what he's trying to do. They have a conversation where he's sort of telling her, or Diana is saying what she what her goals are, where, what she wants to do here, why she came to him on her own. And she says that if they're going to be allies, that she needs to know what the circumstances of her involvement are and why that he was putting on these bounties, trying to get her. And he, she says that he will regret that, the uh, government if the government finds out that he does anything um, for less than savory uh, and he states that we are the government so we see on the right in the last panel that Diana is surrounded by a couple people uh, with weapons and they're sort of dressed up in military garb so we don't know what he means by we exactly by we are the government so who knows uh, what he means by that? Obviously, that is our cliffhanger for the issue here. So we know that the next issue is the last one in this arc. So we will finally see the close of what the what the hell's been going on with everybody trying to uh, undercover uncover Diana's uh, DNA. Yeah. So there. So there was a little more. Uh, Definitely a little more to this issue than the previous issue, where there was a lot of more uh, character moments, mostly uh, for Diana and her relationships uh, with Steve and Etta. So that was probably my Absolutely. favorite part of the I, issue. I mean, I think that we pretty much showed how much we love those all three of them together. <laughs> and when the whole issue is yeah. like... Diana and Etta kicking ass and then uh, reuniting with Steve. It's like then Diana has her moment alone and her goodbyes. It's all very found family and wonderful. One, this issue really uh, solidified more of sort of what the, I mean, it gave us some more, some more answers to what has sort of been the overarching story through this entire arc, but there's still a couple loose ends that need to get wrapped up in the last issue. So obviously we still don't know exactly what the, what this uh, Dr. Revere, uh, Revere wants to do with, 
Diana and what he his ultimate goals are. Obviously, we know that something to do with curing diseases, but there's probably still some ulterior motive. Uh, I'm willing to put money down saying that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there wasn't, again, why wouldn't he just ask her, go to her like Mm -hmm. above the board instead of trying to steal her and, you know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So clearly something is going to come to blows in the, uh, the last issue of the arc here. So we will see what sort of things happen there, whether everybody else gets back roped into it. We see if we see Steve and I, Steve and Etta come, come back into it, which I'd probably say is a highly likely. I believe it. Happen. I hope they rescue her. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That be a nice would be really good. Change of pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would really cement how much that, uh, um, how much that Diana can rely on them, even if she feels like she can't, if, if they were able to rescue her or provide more uh, support than Diana was able to, uh, able to give that she would be like, yeah, I, I think I can uh, lean on you guys a little more than uh, I have been before. Right, like, cause obviously she trusts them and she loves them, but she's so used to, being on her own and doing everything for herself like she had where she was flying around and she was like you know Steve grew up he had a family he had neighbors he had peers and Dana was all alone she was the only child she was always apart from everyone even though they were her sisters on Themyscira it's still not like it wasn't that like close Mm -hmm. that equal level yeah, she isn't. She hasn't. Uh, she wasn't the way that she grew up. She didn't have those support systems of peers who are in the same circumstances and predicaments that you get into, like Steve and Etta would have had, because they obviously grew up in excuse me normal situations where you know they just went to school and had families and friends and everything. So Diana sort of has to get used to that now that she has them as her friends and peers and absolutely and i i hope that in the in the last issue we see her coming to realize and accept that she isn't alone anymore i think that will do our recaps reviews of issues 28 and 29 uh there was there's a lot in these issues uh, overall really good at um, putting the story forward. The action sequences were good. The art in these issues were done by obviously different artists than the first two because Merca and Alfo only was uh, on the arc to do the issues, the first two issues. And I really liked uh, the art, especially in the uh, issue 29 here. I really like the uh, portraits, uh, especially like the shots of Diana when she is, uh, she's out flying on her own. And like, you can tell that like the wind is whipping around because her hair is blown off and it's just really gorgeous looking art. Yeah. I was a little hesitant in 28, mostly about, um, about Etta because like, 
so she was very feminine in um, 26 and 27. Mm -hmm. And in 28, she was a little less so. I mean, like, she still looked super badass. But I, I, so I kind of love that hard femme kind of line. And so I was a little sad to see less of the femme part. But obviously, Mm -hmm. she was recovering from massive wound. And in 29, we saw her a little bit more, like... Where, yeah, yeah. Back where the uh, original two uh, issues were, yeah. And uh, Steve Trevor had hashtag a look in this issue with oh my the, gosh, his uh, hair <laughs> with the le- his hair with the <laughs> oh with the leather jacket and the skinny jeans. Yeah, that, that on the motorbike, like <laughs> that scene like, where he like like you know, sliding in and his hair is like straight up. It's like, oh, Steve, you are trying this. Like that is the definition of what Steve Trevor is in Wonder Woman comics. Like he is, that's what he's there for. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was great. Um, so yeah, I'm interested. I'm not sure who the artist is on the last issue. I haven't uh, checked online to see who it is. I like uh, being surprised by uh, finding out who it is when I okay. Be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the gonna... issue won't be. No, go ahead. Oh no no no! I was gonna say I'm looking at the page now, so I could say, but. Yeah. But no, yeah, the following issue, number 30, will be out not this, yes, September 13th, yes, which is, as of our recording, tomorrow is September 6th, so it'll be the following Wednesday. Uh, In the meantime, we actually have a slew of new episodes that we are going to be coming out. Uh, Both uh, Maya and I have finished reading uh, Wonder Woman Warbringer from Lee Bardugo. So we'll be doing an episode on that. Yes, I'm excited. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was... We'll, we'll figure out how to present the uh, present the best review, whether going into spoilers or not. I have a feeling we probably will. We're not uh, good so. at it. Maybe we'll do like a... You know, the first 10 <laughs> minutes are just no spoilers, and then turn mm-hmm. it off, and off we go. Yeah, because yeah, there's some things that we have we feelings about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's it's so, very good. Hopefully. If you haven't checked it out, it's so Lay basically like said for her inspiration for the book, she didn't want Diana's main goal for first leaving the island to be because of a guy. So teenage Diana has an opportunity to leave Themyscira and go on an adventure, and it's it's an excellent book if you. It's just excellent. If you love Wonder Woman, if you love, you know, great representation, well, great characters, <laughs> great everything, really. Yeah, a great story that honestly, like, I mean, I was surprised by, like, especially uh, through the halfway point, like, every single twist that I was just, like, shocked at. I was like, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so this is part of the DC Icon series, uh, which is DC is doing a series of young adult books. Um, the next one is going to be the Batman one coming out in 
January by um, Marie Lu, who's amazing. Uh, She's a great author. And yeah, there's going to be a Superman one, and... There's enough. There's a fourth one. That I forget who it's going to be about, but I remember seeing in in uh, the copy of Warbringer that I picked up. They show that there is a fourth one, and I just completely forget who it was. But the I'm sure that it's one of the other like Justice League members or something. Uh, Catwoman. Actually, I think Catwoman. I was yes. just, I was just going to say. I was like, <laughs> it just came to me. I was like, oh shit! It's, oh, I think it's Catwoman. Yep. I, I'm a huge Catwoman. I'm a huge Catwoman fan, so I'll probably be picking that up. Anyway, this was a really strong start to this series, and I'm, I'm really glad that because it's another way for people to get into the characters and into comics. But because exactly like comics themselves are so convoluted, sometimes it's kind of hard to like pick the right mm-hmm. thread to get in. Whereas, like, with books, you can, you know, you're like, okay, you can just jump right in and get, like, a good feel of the story, good feel of the characters, and then go exploring if you want. Like, it's a great, it's a great intro, introduction point. Yeah, especially just the way that the, with Warbringer and the, um, the way the story shapes out and the way that it introduces you to Diana as a character, it's, Essentially, the way that Diana was written, it took the sort of the best parts of her from the comics and the best parts of her from the feature film and like mashed them together and made this just completely awesome Diana. Absolutely. And she like, was just such a If you've good been character. reading along with Rebirth or For Forever or just seen the movie, you will definitely recognize that Diana in this book, even though like Lee definitely um, like makes her her own as well. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot in the book. We'll obviously we'll go into more detail when we do a, our episode on it. But there's a lot of things that from the book that I noticed that actually tie to a couple of the or they drew inspiration from some of the uh, some of the comics out there, and a lot of, you see a lot of similarities through uh, through the novels. So we will definitely get into that a lot more in the episode where we can dedicate the whole the whole hour or however long we talk about it to the uh to the novel so also which recently came out uh as of our recording it came out last week was uh rebirth volume three so we will uh after warbringer we will be doing a episode on volume three which uh is following with volumes one and two where it's doing the same thing taking the Volume 3 is taking the odd-numbered issues from the first 25 issues of Rebirth. So we will be going over that. That is a sort of a, that's a preview of what we have up to, up to come. So we are brought to you by the Not Saf for Work podcast network. Uh, you can find us on notsafforwork.com. Uh, we are on iTunes on the Not Saf for Work podcast feed, as well as our own feed, The Lasso. Um, you can find us over on Twitter. We are at the, at the Lasso Pod. Uh, also, you can find us hosts individually online doing our our shebangs. Uh, Maya, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find I you? You can find me on Twitter at Semi Rose and on my blog, Firebee Fights.
Sweet. Uh, you can find me, as usual, on Twitter at Mike underscore on debt. Uh, and you can find me writing at Coffee with Kenobi and doing work with Far Far Away Radio. So I think that will do it for this episode. And stay tuned. We have plenty more coming up. <laughs>